So when I moved into my tiny house, um, that really allowed me to take less jobs, but still be able to live very comfortably because my cost of living was substantially lower than it ever was before. Welcome to the Archipelago Photography Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Sean Morton. This podcast is brought to you by Archipelago Presets, a community of photographers united by a passion for our craft and a growing collection of some of the world's finest Lightroom presets and post-production tools. As a way of thanking you for tuning in, we're offering all of our podcast listeners a discount of 20% on your next purchase. Visit us at archipelagopresets.com and use the code PODCAST20 to redeem this special offer. Carol Lynn Robin is a Métis Algonquin woman living in a tiny house in the forests of northern Ontario. For many years, Carol worked as a full-time photographer, but now has simplified her life so that she can pursue her other passions. These involve working with wildlife, hunting, trapping, foraging, and tanning hides in traditional methods. Her tiny house lifestyle has allowed her the financial freedom to pursue these dreams. She's living an authentic life, connected to the land and animals around her. In these days of a global pandemic, I know many of us are reevaluating our lifestyles and looking for alternatives. Carolyn Robin is living one. And so without further ado, let's dive into it. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so, so Carol, you uh, you live quite a different life, I would say, than probably most people listening uh, to this podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, um, you know, kind of in a nutshell, who you are and 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 what what your your life is like? I guess. Um, yeah. So basically, um, I do a lot of different things. Uh, I'm a hunter, gatherer, trapper. I do foraging. Um, I'm also a photographer. I'm a tiny house consultant. Um, and I do a lot of artsy things. Um, so, yeah, I, it's a, a mix up of a, a lot of different things, a lot of different interests. Yeah. And and I think a lot of the stuff that you're doing is quite... Um, I, I don't want to say it's unusual, but it, it's probably unusual to what most people would consider uh, sort of a normal lifestyle in, 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 you know, the vast majority of at least North America, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I was raised by a dad that was a hunter, um, a fishing and hunting guide, um, we also had an outfitting company for about 10 years. And so um, I spent a lot of time outdoors and I, I developed a really big love for the outdoors. So I feel like a lot of the things that I do um, involve the outdoors and animals and nature. So um, I tried to grab onto all the little things that I love about nature and animals and everything else. And so I surrounded my life with all those things. Yeah. And Let's talk a little bit about your journey um, and kind of what what got you to where you are now, because I I know in speaking to you earlier, we talked about, um, you know, the fact that you worked full time as a photographer for for quite a number of years. You you know, you you had mentioned you'd, 
you know, done hundreds of weddings and tons of family photos, but, but that's changed, right? Like that's, that's not like you've, you've, you've changed your lifestyle and you want to talk about that and sort of that, that process, that, that journey and how that evolved. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I got out of high school, I ended up going to college. I went to Sheridan um, College in Oakville. And so from there, I graduated uh, from the photography program. And I started my business as a photographer about a year later. So I did that for about 10 years full time. And the first five, six years of that Um, I worked seven days a week. I was so afraid of not getting a job next month or, um, you know, if I break my leg next month, (laughs) you know, and I'd be, I wouldn't be able to work, uh, what would I do for income? And, uh, it was very stressful in that way. So, and I had a lot of bills to pay because I lived in a big home, uh, and I had, you know, vehicles and toys and all kinds of thing at that time. So, um, yeah, I was hoarding a lot of jobs, <laughs> taking as much as I yeah. could. Um, I worked seven days a week. I didn't uh, pay enough attention uh, to my relationships, to my family. And uh, that was a, a really lonely and sad time in my life. So um, as much as I love photography, I had to really put it um, to the side for a bit and reevaluate everything. So um I ended up making a lot of changes in my life at around 28 years old. I got out of my relationship and I got out of, you know, the big traditional home. um, And I decided that what would be good for me would be to live a non-traditional lifestyle. And so I decided to move into, well, build and then move into a tiny house on wheels. So when I moved into my tiny house, um, that really allowed me to take less jobs, but still be able to live very comfortably because my cost of living was substantially lower than it ever was before. Right, right, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? So, so tell us about the home you live in and 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 how that's different. Like in term, you know, you, t- you talk about cost of living, and so so what does that mean? Like uh, in terms of you know your, I guess your your well, your day-to-day expenses and your living expenses in in the tiny house? Yeah, so my tiny house is eight and a half by 28, uh, uh, 238 square feet. Um, And so it's essentially smaller than anybody's home that I know, a traditional home. Mm -hmm. And so the bills are definitely substantially smaller as well. Uh, my cost of living here is about two hundred, uh, two to $300 a month, depending on the month. Um, I heat with propane and most of my appliances are propane. So it depends, you know, the time of the year for how much that's going to cost yeah. me. Um, but yeah, it's around two to $300 a month. So it's, it's really, really low. Um, so I, I'm able to put more money aside, uh, take more time for myself, uh, and work on projects that fulfill me, but might not give me any money in return. Yeah, yeah, and that's important. And, and I mean, you talked about earlier, you know, working seven days a week and, and hoarding jobs and just having that constant worry mm-hmm. about, you know, making ends meet uh, when you've got that big house. And um, and I, I think uh, so many people are, are sort of, you know, tied down by, by the lifestyle that we've chosen. Um, and it's interesting Mm -hmm. and kind of inspiring to see someone who's, you know, just decided to say, no, that's, that's not going to work for me. And, and it's allowed you to, 
to have more freedom and more, I don't want to say more free time, but it gives you more time to focus on projects that maybe, like you said, are more, maybe not financially going to give you value, but they're going to give you, you know, value in other ways. And do you want to talk about some of those things that you are doing? Yeah, for sure. So basically, um, some of the projects that I, I'm working on is uh, trapping right now at the moment and also um, hide tanning. So tanning uh, moose hides, deer hides, bear hides um, and doing that on my own. So that takes up a lot of time. And uh, <clears throat> when I was growing up, my dad was a trapper and the furs um, did go for quite a bit of money so he could make a living off of that. But at one point, the fur... Um, the fur price went down substantially, so he wasn't able to make a living off of that anymore. And that's still the case today. So if you want to be a trapper these days, you got to have a, another full-time job yeah. or some other type of income. It's definitely just a hobby. Uh, it's mostly for just people that really love the outdoors, have a huge respect for the outdoors and want to spend time out there, you know, learning the land, being on the land. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful thing to experience when you're in it yeah and and you've you've also sort of adapted some of that into some other artistic projects right like you're you had mentioned earlier about some things you're doing you want to talk about those yeah exactly so um with the trapping um my goal is this year to tan the hides that I get and to make things out of the hides that I, I trap, so basically making moccasins and mittens and traditional um, Indigenous art um, from the furs and stuff that I catch on the trap line. Um, same with the hide tanning that I'm doing for moose and other um, pelts that I've got from um, hunters that have donated to me. So that's kind of how I'm going to make a little bit of money from the things that I'm doing. Yeah. And let's go back to your to your house because obviously, you know, you've, you know, you said you're saving on expenses by, by living in a tiny house, but talk to me, there, there must be some challenges. Like what are some of the big challenges you, you're, you know, you face when, when you're living in such a, such a small space? Um, honestly, since I've been a kid, um, I remember like, uh, going into my closet with all of my toys and feeling, um, comfortable and happy and safe in a small space yeah. so I've always loved small spaces yeah. I know that a lot of people think like okay we're gonna build a tiny house and it's gonna be awesome and then they get in it and they're like oh my god it's way too small I can't live like <laughs> yeah. this but I'm the t total opposite um, my loft is just as high as like I can sit up and have a couple of inches above my head and my loft is the place I feel the most safe in the world. Yeah. So not an issue at all. <laughs> yeah. So size is not an issue. Um, the little things that I struggled with at first were like, um, condensation in my home. Right. <laughs> so I know that sounds like weird, but the condensation in my home was like really, really high. It was, um, extraordinary the first winter I went through because, I heat with propane and that emits condensation. Right. Um, my home was brand new. So the wood that I put in my home was still, you know, a, a little bit moist. Um, so that had to uh, dissipate throughout the years. Um, and my home is spray foam insulated top to bottom. So it literally made my home like a Ziploc bag. <laughs> right. So that was the biggest struggle the first year. And then I really learned how to tweak um, things to make things more livable. 
Um, I even had baseboards that were molding um, at the end of the winter. It was just incredible. So I didn't expect that at all. Um, But nowadays, um, fast forward three years later, after I built my home, um, they are making um, different... uh, things what do you call them the um air exchangers for tiny homes so there there wasn't any of that when I first built um for the size of my home so I just heard about this recently and I think it's a great idea and everybody that builds a tiny home should have an air exchanger in it (laughs) yeah well well also too I'm sure that's I mean the, the problems you're facing in regards to condensation and whatnot in the winter that's also you know, related to the fact that you're, you're up in Northern Ontario and that's, that'd be different exactly. than someone in a tiny home in like say New Mexico or something. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? The first year I was in my tiny home, it went down to minus 56 with the wind chill for four days in a oh, row wow. in February. Wow. <laughs> so it was extreme. Yeah. And a lot of people watch these shows on online and on TV about tiny homes and they seem to be mostly in warmer climates. Yeah. And so People in Northern Ontario think, oh, this is going to be great. We'll live in a tiny house and we'll build it the way we saw it on TV. That's really not the case. You really have to think about the winter and all the challenges that come with that. And so, yeah, I I actually um, do a bit of tiny home consulting as well for people that want to build their own. Um, so that's another little thing that I have in my roster. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I love being able to help people attain their goals of living a non-traditional lifestyle because I know how much, uh, it's impacted my life yeah. and changed my life for the better. So I'd love to help in that way. Yeah. And I think like, this is the time that a lot of people are thinking about those things, right? I mean, our world's really in many ways been turned upside down, you know, um, we're we're kind we're kind of lucky here in Canada compared to some other places I'd say, but you know I mean people are looking at ways to you know reduce their cost of living or diversify their mm-hmm. income and it and it seems like you know what you're doing um, is just that in in so many ways right yeah. yeah and you know what one of the big things that um, that made me want to live this way is. Um, when I went through my separation, um, I could have stayed in the home I was in, or I could have, um, like I had the option of staying or selling my home or renting something else, mm-hmm. buying something else. So I sat down and I, I looked at all the bills and calculated how much it would cost me on my own to, you know, flip the bill for the whole place. Yeah. And so, um, the two bills that I hated the most were hydro and property tax. Right. And so I calculated just those two bills yeah. during the span of 20 years, which is the span of a mortgage yeah. usually. Yeah. Um, and it came up to $206,000. Wow. Yes. So that just, I, I literally started sobbing. I couldn't believe that we actually do this to ourselves. Um, so if you just calculate a couple of the bills that you have monthly over a long period of time, it's astonishing how much um, the cost of living yeah. is. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely never want to have that, um, weighing on my shoulders ever again. Yeah. 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 And let's, let's talk about, let's talk about some other stuff. So, I mean, you're, you're in Northern Ontario and, and I know, um, you know, think things are challenging now in terms of being able to travel and whatnot, but is there, is there any place or is there anything, I guess, maybe that, uh, 
that that's kind of on your your bucket list of things you want to do and because i know you're already doing quite a bit you know you're working with wildlife and 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 all that but uh, what you know what what what's kind of on, what's on your bucket list and it doesn't have to be a destination it could maybe just something that you want to be doing um bucket list my bucket list items are seem really small <laughs> um but it's basically like my my next bucket list thing is to tan my own moose hide by myself and i'm pretty sure i'm going to be able to finish that on sunday Amazing. so that's my next <laughs> yeah which is really um important to me yeah. um but some people would be like oh that's weird but um <laughs> yeah and then after that it's just you know um doing little things like uh I just got a husky about a year ago and I want to teach her how to pull a sleigh this year right. and uh you know next summer I'd like to go on a big canoe trip you yeah. know so it's just it's just little things for me like that yeah they, well they I mean they may be little in terms of scale but they're, they're I think they're big those would be really massive achievements uh, in my mind um and do you do you get a lot of people, because, I mean, you talk a lot, a lot about these things, you know, tanning, hides, and, and whatnot on, on Instagram and on your social media. Do you, is there a lot of people that, you know, don't live that lifestyle that are interested? Like, do, do you get a lot of questions about that online? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible how many people have reached out to me since I started posting about uh, tanning hides and doing stuff like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that are uh, vegetarian, vegan, plant-based, yeah. uh, reach, have reached out to me and have said, you know, uh, we really appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, we don't eat meat, but, uh, we see the respect that you have for animals mm -hmm. and all you're doing with the different parts that usually people discard. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's just bringing awareness, um, inviting people to learn with me. So less gets wasted. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really sad. I mean, there's a bunch of uh, walking trails around my place and I see discarded parts of animals from hunters all the time. Mm. And it's, uh, I actually had somebody pick up two hides that they found in the bush uh, <laughs> discarded a couple of weeks oh, ago. Wow. And so they brought them to me so I can tan them. Um, and I do understand that it's a long process. It, you need a lot of work and love to put into it to go through hides, yeah. but, um, you know, I'd like to kind of make it cool again yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do that kind of stuff and respect the animal. And the thing with um, tanning, I I learned from Tegua Tegmu Nation in Cochrane, mm -hmm. and um, I did it traditionally, the brain tanning and everything. And so one thing about tanning is that uh, not only are you doing the work and you're respecting the animal, but the people you surround yourself with when you're doing the work um, – those people have time to sit beside you for hours on yeah. end and talk yeah. and learn about each other and support each other. So it's not just about the work. It's about the community that surrounds you when you're doing the work. So it's just a really phenomenal experience. Yeah. And I think that we don't we don't do enough of that now because of, you know, social media and um, you know, being online all the time and, uh, working so hard to pay all those bills. Yeah. And I think we've lost a lot of that, lost a lot of that sense of community and being with each other and being positive and doing those things. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people would echo that feeling. And, and I also too, I, I think there's, there's that disconnect between our, 
you know, the convenience of the life we live and the, the things, you know, we, we use every day, there's a real disconnect, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. between... And when you say disconnect, yeah. it makes me think of uh, the disconnect between me, uh, between us and our food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, walking into a grocery store and picking up that package of meat off the shelf rather than going to hunt it yourself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I love I loved what you talked about, about sitting and, and talking for hours. Well, tell us about who, who inspires you in your life these days. Um, well, the people that inspire me um, have always inspired me. It's mostly a lot of my family. Yeah. Um, and people still inspire me that have passed. Um, my biggest inspiration in life is my parents and my dad does and did a lot of the things that I'm really interested in. So he inspires me a lot, um, on a daily basis. Um, he actually helped me build this house. Um, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I'm mostly inspired by people that like that, live an authentic lifestyle, no matter what that looks like. Um, I think if we would all be more truthful to who we are, um, we'd all be a lot happier and people would have the jobs that they should have and be in the relationships that they should be. And um, I feel like it's really unfortunate that um, these days, a lot of people feel like they have to be something else or not 100% themselves. That's so true. So yeah, the people I'm attracted to being around and that inspire me are people that truly live um a hundred percent uh themselves yeah that makes sense what's um (laughs) carol what's what's next for you do you have any any projects or future plans i mean other than finishing that that moose hide (laughs) yeah um yeah i uh i'm hoping to buy land in the next little bit and be a little more secluded and start a few projects that I've had in mind for a couple of years. I'd love to work with wildlife. Um, I've been volunteering at a reindeer farm for about six years now. And so um, I've fell in love with reindeer and I'd really like to have my own someday. Um, So those are the things I'm kind of looking forward to in the future. That's amazing. Amazing. Well, it's really interesting to see the stuff that you're doing. I, I love following your your work on Instagram and and uh, seeing all the the really the really fascinating. And I mean, to, uh, to me, it's 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 a world I know nothing about, and it's really again, it's really fascinating. And and anyway, I just wanted to thank you for you know taking a few minutes to, uh, with us today, talking about your lifestyle and and what you're doing, and uh, and uh, I wish you all the best. Thanks so much, John. Okay, Carol, thanks. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Carol Lynn Robin, please check out the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can catch every episode for more interviews and inspiration for photographers. Of course, be sure to visit us at archipelagopresets.com and use the code PODCAST20 to save 20% on your next purchase. Thanks again. Until next time.